chapter 2, it's verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them at the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, again, Merry Christmas. Uh, if, you're, if you're visiting or a guest, uh, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm the founding pastor here. Uh, and uh, man, let me just say, there's nobody that I would rather be spending Christmas with than you guys. Uh, like as, as people of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, provided that there's no like, uh, there's no act of God's providence that would keep us from doing it. Like, if it's a Sunday, uh, we're going to have the doors of our Sunday gathering uh, open for, for believers like you to come and worship, uh, because this is our spiritual family. And so as we wait uh, for Jesus to return and to come again, we're going to gather to worship him every Lord's Day, every Sunday, uh, regardless of where that falls. Uh, and so I just want to say thank you for, for being here, and, uh, and Merry Christmas. Um, Today, on Christmas Day, we're going to conclude our Advent series by focusing our attention on the topic of joy, the joy that Christmas brings. In Luke 2, verse 10 and 11, as Joe just read, uh, in the two verses in the middle there, uh, an angel appears to a group of shepherds, and this angel declared, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now that announcement, this good news of great joy announcement is not just for the shepherds, but it's for everyone. It's for all of us who declares along with the angel that Christ is Lord. So here's the big idea of this text that we just read. The big idea is this, that the baby in the manger came to give fearless and foreverlasting joy to all who believe. Let's walk through the passage now, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, "In, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So here's our first point for this afternoon. It's that this really happened in human history. 
right? The Christmas story, the baby in the manger, the shepherds and the angels and the magi, like this really happened in human history. So you can have fearless, foreverlasting joy because the birth of the Messiah is a historical event. Read verse one again with me, and then we'll go to verse two. It says, in, in those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It says that this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So this is not like Greek mythology, right? This is rooted in world history. It's the kind of history that you can read about uh, and know about whether you're a Christian or not. The Christmas story didn't take place in Narnia. It didn't take place in Middle Earth. It didn't take place in Avatar's Pandora moon. It didn't take place in a galaxy far, far away. No, the Christmas story took place, it says, in the city of David, a real place, during the days where a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world world should be registered. It says that that was when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It's also described in the previous chapter, these days were described as the days of Herod, king of Judea. Now, why are there all these mentions, all these phrases about uh, historical references? It's so that readers, like us, reading this, so that we can locate the Christmas story in actual human history, in our history. The point is that Jesus was just as real. He's just as real as if he had been born during the pandemic lockdowns of 2020. Right? So, for example, like uh, Alyssa and I, we got married in, in, in 2012, right? We celebrated our 10th year anniversary uh, this last July. And so it would be like if my descendants in the future were reading about us as a family, and they were told that, that Alyssa and I got married in July, a week before the London Summer Olympics of 2012. Like that description, if they were to read about that, that description would help them locate in history our very real existence in actual human history. You see, the Christmas story is not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's human history. It's cosmic history. I mean, we literally split history with the birth of Christ. B.C. means before Christ. A.D. means Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord. Why do we do that? It's because Jesus changed everything. He changed history. Whether you believe in him or not, he changed everything. And so I want you now to consider how he changes everything for you, how he changes everything for us. This is where we go into point number two, where we see that the glory of God described in this passage, the glory of God is either your greatest problem or your greatest joy. The glory of God is either your greatest problem or your greatest joy. Now, why would the glory of God be a problem? Look at verse 8 and 9 with me. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, glory of the Lord, what do we mean by that? When the Bible talks about the glory of God, what it's it's talking about is the brilliance of the majesty, the holiness, the, the worth, the weight, the perfection of God's greatness. And why would that make them be filled with fear? 
It's because whenever you come face to face with the glory of God, you just can't help but fall on your face in humility and trembling humility. I mean, if you search the scriptures, you'll find out whenever God reveals himself to people, they're afraid. Abram, renamed Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, prophet Isaiah, even the disciples in the New Testament, every time that they encountered the glory of God face to face, they fall on their faces in trembling worship. You should be very skeptical of anyone who reports a vision of God and describes it as just a casual conversation. This is why whenever God reveals himself to people in the Bible, like either God or, or his messenger, an angel, will has to, have to tell people and comfort them and tell them, tell them, don't be afraid. And for some of those instances, he has to repeat it. He's like, no, seriously, like, don't be afraid. Because it is absolutely disorienting. It confounds the senses when you come face to face with the glory of God. It confronts you with the harsh reality that you're not all that. That the world universe doesn't revolve around you. That you're not in charge of everything. That there's so much more to the universe than you ever thought or imagined. God is not just the supreme being at the top of the ladder. He's above the ladder. He's the creator of the ladder. Look, I promise you, I promise you, like whenever, when you walked into this room this afternoon, whatever your view of God is, it wasn't big enough. When you leave this room, however much, I hope you leave with a bigger, a grander view of God and his greatness and his majesty, but when, even when you leave this room, your view of God will never be big enough. You see, and once you understand that, once you get that and understand that, that the power of God's glory and majesty goes higher than the heavens and reaches farther than the depths of the sea, everything changes for you. Everything that you ever thought about who you are, about why you are, about what the world is, is here for, about why in the world you're here, it all changes. You're never the same. It just, it just rocks you to your, to, to your core. And that's what happened to the shepherds in the field. They're just out in the field doing their shepherd business, minding their own business, and an angel of the Lord appears to them. And the glory of the Lord, it says, shone, it shines all around them, and they tremble with fear. It's the only proper response. And so then, so then, how is it that we move from this sort of righteous fear before the glory of God to fearless joy? How does the glory of God go from being our greatest fear to our greatest joy? That leads us to our third point where we see that the glory of God comes in the form of a child at Christmas. This is the beauty of the Christmas story, that the glory of God comes in the form of a child. Verse 10 says, the angel said to them, fear not. See, there's those words of comfort, fear not. For behold, 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And when the angel says for all the people, he means it. Listen, the fact that the good news of Christmas is given to these shepherds first is wildly significant. Because if you're going to throw like your kid a party at his birth, if you're going to throw your kid a birth party, you're not going to invite guys like the shepherds. Shepherds were outcasts. They had a reputation for being thieves. They were not welcomed in normal society. Today, they would not be welcomed in the suburbs. But when God's kingdom comes down to earth with the announcement of that kingdom, who is the first group to hear that there is good news of great joy for all people? You start with the shepherds. The guys who everyone thinks is on the outside. Even they think they're on the outside. You know what that tells us? That tells us that this gospel, this good news of great joy is really for all people. It's for all people, not just the pretty ones, not just the put together ones. It's for the weak and the frail and the broken and the exhausted and the grieving. Those who fail, those who sin, those who are tired, those who need rest. Look, that is good news for us, isn't it? Because the people of God, all people are a mess. Even the people of God are a mess. You don't believe me? Just, just, just think of where you're at in your life right now, Right? How many of you are just got this gnawing feeling that, man, I've got some room to grow. I'm not where I thought I'd be at this point. If you're honest with yourself, you say, like, I'm a mess, right? Go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're a mess. <laughs> and then tell them, hey, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. But look, but look, Jesus came. Jesus came, and he came with good news of great joy for all people, for messes like us. And continue on to the next verses. What does the source, what is the source of this great joy? Verse 11 says, for unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, which is another way of saying the Messiah, the one that the prophets foretold about the one who would put an end to sin's reign and who would bring God's kingdom, the one thing that we all long for deep down in our hearts would finally bring it down to earth. And then verse 12 says, and this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. A baby in swaddling cloths from great fearsome glory that shines all around them to the good news of a baby. I want you to, to marvel at that. That the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, comes as a swaddled up baby in a manger. 
laid in a feeding trough. Think about how wild this is. If you remember the story of Moses, there's this moment that Moses is up on the mountain. He's up on Sinai. He's spending time with God. And, and he just suddenly feels this overwhelming desire to see the glory of God in the fullness of its power. You ever spend time in God's word or spend time in prayer and you're just, you're just so moved. You just feel his, his presence, a sense of his glory that you're like, man, I want to see more of that. That's what Moses experienced when he was speaking to God on the mountain. And God basically denies Moses a full view of his glory, and instead he gives Moses sort of like a half view, a veiled view, not to tease Moses, but to, but to protect him. Because the glory of God has so much force to it that if Moses were to look at it like straight on, he would be utterly destroyed. Now imagine if Moses who is denied the fullness of seeing God's glory, if he was here today and heard this message, heard the good news of great joy for all people, if he heard the message of Christmas of God taking on human flesh and coming as a swaddled-up baby in a feeding trough, I mean, that's what Colossians says about Jesus. Colossians 2.9 says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And so if Moses heard the Christmas story today, he would lose his mind. He'd go crazy. He'd go absolutely ballistic. He'd be running up and down this aisle going, Man, do you guys realize what this means? This is the one thing that I longed for, but I was denied. This means, <coughs> this means that you can meet God intimately now through Jesus, through the child, through Jesus Christ. You can now know him personally without getting destroyed. Is that a, what is that? Oh, okay. I thought it was like a fire alarm. <coughs> I was like, do we have candles going off or something? <clears throat> See, that's how crazy the glory of God is, right? <laughs> Just light, like fire, right? <laughs> Look, man, Moses would be shouting just as loud. He would say, good news of great joy has come to the world. That's why the angel announcing Christ's birth in Luke 2 says, fear not. In other words, because of this child, because of the Christmas child, you don't have to fear your destruction before God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the reason Jesus came at that first Christmas. He came to step into the middle of our mess, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our failures, in the middle of our jacked upness. He stepped in the middle of that to reconcile us with God, taking on human form 
so that he could shed his blood on a cross, fully absorbing the just and righteous wrath of God and giving us his own righteousness in return. You see, only Jesus can do that. Only Christ the Messiah can do that. It couldn't be anyone else. Couldn't be an angel. An angel couldn't bear the load of my sin or yours. It couldn't be an earthly kingdom because empires rise and empires fall. What about the glory of men? All of our heroes and legends. First Peter says the glory of men just withers like the grass in the field and like the flowers that fade. If anyone other than God himself was set up as our way of salvation, then the foundation of that salvation would be too flimsy. It couldn't stand. But if the one, if the child, if the one who secured our salvation is the infinite one, the almighty one, the sovereign one, the one whose glory shines across the universe, well, then his shoulders can carry the weight. And that is the point of the Christmas story. It's the true story of Christ the King, born a child in a manger so that he could die a man on a cross. Consider the scandalous beauty of what God has done in Christmas. When they looked at the baby in the manger, in the feeding trough, his little head would be a head that wears a crown of thorns one day. His, his tiny, knobbly little knees would be the same knees that would one day rest on the ground as he retreated to pray for others, to pray for you and me, to wash his disciples' feet. His little, his little baby feet with the wiggly toes would, would grow to walk around the Galilee region to make disciples and invite people and crowds into God's kingdom. His tiny hands would be the hands he used to perform miracles, to comfort the grieving, to touch the leper, to exercise demons and calm storms. They would be the same hands and feet that would be pierced by nails for our transgressions. His tiny lips would speak of hope and truth and love and the kingdom of God. And they would be the same lips that would one day cry out from the cross, Father, forgive my enemies, for they know not what they do. The same lips that would cry out, Father, why have you forsaken me? As a father turns his face away from Jesus before when he bore our sin, his eyes his eyes, his little eyes that took in light for the first time the day that he was born. Those would be the same eyes that would fall shut as darkness took over him. And he died in our place, paying the penalty of our sin so that we would no longer die, but have everlasting joy and life. You see, because... 
because the baby in the manger would one day become our king on the cross. It is no longer a dreadful thing to approach our maker. It's a delightful thing. The God who made you, the God whom your life has offended, has come down from heaven, taking upon our nature to save us from ourselves. And look, if the very worst fear that we all have, the fear of finality, the fear of the end, the fear of death, if that has been taken away through the death of Christ, then we, we don't have to fear any lesser things either. Financial insecurity, job insecurity, the fear of what others think, family drama, relational drama, fear of disease and disaster, fear of losing it all, fear of losing a loved one. Where is God? When you're facing all those fears, where is he? When you're facing these very real fears, man, just look at the manger. Look at the manger. Look at the cross. He came so that you would have to fear no more. There's hope on the other side because of the Christmas child. Our fearsome God condescended to bring us, to bring us fearless for everlasting joy. Verse 13 and 14 says this. It says that suddenly, after that announcement from the angel, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, a multitude of heavenly angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. <coughs> when the angels sing that song, when they sing glory to God in the highest, they are inviting us into their song. They're inviting us into their praise. It's the song of joy for all of God's people. It's seeing and savoring the mystery of God coming down to be with us and not just be with us, but also to be for us, to save us. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. God gets the glory. We get the peace. We get him. Because of Jesus, the Christmas child, because of his humble birth, his perfect life that he would live, his soul-saving death on the cross, and his triumphant resurrection, we have hope. We have love. We have peace. And we have fearless, foreverlasting joy. And the best part is that everyone's invited. Good news of great joy for all the people. Anyone can get in on this. As John 3 declared to us, 
God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in that son will not perish, but have eternal life. All glory and praise be to our lowborn King. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.